Many of us know an author by the name of C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist, became a very popular writer for Christian books and a well-known apologist for Christianity. We know him today. Many of our children know him through the Narnia books. He writes an allegory about a small boy who sat around and listened to the tales told to him by all the older people. And they talked about seeing giants in the land. They knew there were giants in the world someplace. And that if you search for them long enough, you would find them. So this small boy had a dream. As kids, we all have dreams. But this boy's dream was very strong. He wanted to see this giant. He dreamed about this all of his life. And when he became 15, he decided to do something about this, and he left home to search for this giant. He searched for this giant near his house. He searched for this giant all over the world. He traveled for many years. In fact, the next time we kind of know about this boy, he's 30 years old. And he has not found his giant He's sad, he's disillusioned, he has a great disappointment. So he travels back home. He finally gets close to home and he climbs the last hill to where he can see out into the valley where he grew up. And he stops. And he can't believe it. He sees it. He sees his giant. He has traveled all over the world, but there it is, the giant. He sees the hills that form the giant's head. He sees the forest and the valley that forms the giant's body. And right there, in the middle of the chest, is his own house. It seems that the most important thing he was looking for was right there at home. Society today is filled with a desire to gain more and more. People are looking for it here, looking for it there. They're searching for it in shopping centers. They're searching for it on better vacations. They want better environments. They want the new house, the new car. But more and more as society, we seem to be more and more unhappy. Now, there is nothing wrong with searching for opportunity to improve ourselves, to improve our environment. But in our society, that doesn't seem to be enough today. There's strong marketing out there, advertisements that say, if you have this, you will be happy. If you get this, buy this, life will come to your door. But we also have 
another engine, the engine of impatience that seems to run our whole age today. It seems that everyone is struggling to find these things and that everyone is struggling to seek that nirvana, that place where God is. Spiritual blindness and the rush of desires cause many people to rush into decisions that negatively affect their lives. So how to have this peace and to be satisfied what can we learn from Scripture today? How can we learn to be satisfied? Where can we find it? Where do we have to travel to? Many struggle with this idea. But today's example of as a man who became victorious in this search. I believe there is a lot that we can learn from this story today. You see, this man had been fighting with his arch enemy even before he was born. We have the story that he fought with his brother inside the womb. When they were finally born, there couldn't have been two different boys from the same person anywhere. We have the story of Jacob and Esau. How different these two men are. We have the one man, Jacob, who is stay at home, who looks for the spiritual, the ethereal. We have Esau, the man who likes to roam and find what he's looking for out in the wilderness. He is about earth and reality. One was dreaming of a future blessing. Another was living in daily pleasures. One liked to be close at home, another out in the field. There is one thing they had in common. They didn't seem to like each other much. Here's a question. Did Jacob know that God promised him the blessing of the firstborn? Yes, he knew all about this promise. He had been taught this from a small boy. Even Esau knew about this promise. Did his parents know who was going to receive the firstborn blessing? Yes. Let's look closer. Did the mother, Rebecca, know about the promise? Did the father know about the promise? But we see in Rebecca, in her heart, we see her impatience. I want it now. I can't wait for it later. It must be now. So when Esau leaves on his mission to go get his father's favorite meat, we see her immediately put her plans into action. Look, this is our opportunity. We can do it now. But it's how we as Christians get caught up in sin today. We look for things to solve things now. It starts with good motives, good intentions. The intentions of Rebecca were good. It's getting what she had been told was already to come to her son but it ends up in some of the greatest sins that we know. She, Rebecca, had waited for the time when her husband would bless her son Jacob, who she loved the most. She knew what was supposed to happen, but right before that happened, suddenly she decided to play the role of God and make it happen when she wanted it to happen. 
Do you see what happened here? This, I want to play God. I mean, this goes all the way back to where sin started. We see Lucifer. I want to play God. I can't wait for this. It is mine. It's now. So we see Rebecca, who lived possibly 4,000 years ago and had the same issue we have in our age today. How similar these are from our own impatient wanderings and wanting it all now. She pushes her son Jacob to lie to his own father, which he did. It was the whole ritual that we see now. The father and the son didn't trust the words of God. Instead, they tried to make their own way and their own ideas come out. And they had their own thoughts of how this firstborn thing worked. After that happened and sin was revealed, the rage of Esau was so great that there was, it was very clear there was not room for both of these children at home anymore. So Jacob had to flee. Isn't it interesting? He had received the blessing of the firstborn, and now he had to leave what he had just received. All of this because we see that he tried to play God and make what was his now not what God wanted for him. We find this story in Genesis 28. It's a great and fascinating story. We see that Esau is running away, trying to find peace and happiness. Isn't it interesting that today we try and run away to find that same peace and happiness? But there is the shadow of the curse and the lies and the wishes that we have that crowd out finding this peace. We read from Scripture in Genesis 28, verses 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and beheld a ladder was set up on earth and it reached all the way to heaven. And there were the angels of God and they were ascending and descending it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you now lie, I will give you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad east and west to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I do not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God 
and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob arose early in the morning and took a stone that he had put as his, at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city has been Luds previously. So now we see Jacob naming this place, calling it Beth-El. El for Elohim and Beth for house, the house of God. Look how the passage starts. He went to Haram and went to a certain place and stayed there all night. He was coming back to Haram, the land of his fathers and his father's fathers. But he did not go the, the direction that they normally took, for he was fleeing from Esau and was scared. So like the boy in our story in the search for the giant, he went wandering in the world trying to find his peace. Notice that when Jacob arrives at this place, there's no name for it. He stayed at this place the whole night. Why? Because the sun had gone down. It's an amazing phrase, the sun has gone down. Because when we look at that, it seems like in our lives, we reach times, we reach places where the sun seems to set. And we've lost this light in our life. It seems like there's no hope. How many times have you been in a lonely place where it seems like all have forsaken? And the sun has gone down. And all you have are stones for pillows. Maybe even some of you are there now in those deep pits of seeming despair. In fact, in Pilgrim's Progress, it talks about the giant named despair, that large presence in our lives. Can you imagine the despair of the person who really does not care that he has a stone for his pillow? If you are in despair, you are never alone, even though you feel it. How do I say this? Because I know that the sun will go down in all of our lives. But the sun is not the source of light in our lives. And the phrase, God, is the sun in our lives, rings more true today than it ever has. Because we might think that the sun has left us, that all have betrayed us, that God has left. But God's wisdom and God's light are still with us. In God's wisdom, he lets the sun go down to remind us that he is the light, not the sun. His word is light. His Presence is light. His glory is light. Ellen White and Patriarchs and Prophets is nicely describes how desperate Jacob was to run away from his house and to save his life. The feelings of guilt were suffocating him. His last hopes had gone down with the sun. That is why God reminded him that in creation, it was revealed that God is the source of light, the source of joy. The sun went down, but the ladder from heaven showed up. And angels were walking up 
and down both ways. And it was right next to Jacob's head. He could not believe that this place was there, that heaven was right there where he was. He is at the very gates of heaven. He is next to the house of God. Now we look back at this. What was the place of that name? It was not named. There was no place of it. But after this event, suddenly it takes on a name. It is called Bethel, the house of God. Why? Because Jacob saw his dream there of the gates of heaven that were open to him in this place. Now let's ask another question. Were the gates of heaven and the angels going up and down solely, only for Jacob in this dream? I say to you today, no. They are there 24-7, even now, always where we are. Why is it that Jacob only saw them? Because he was relying on something else all the time. He was blind, but when he was in this pit of despair, his eyes were opened and he was able to see that God was with him. He was able to see that God would be with him forever. We must remember there's no magic in this place that Jacob was at. In fact, later on, that same hill is transformed into pagan idol worship. But what is important to us today is that we stop and see the way that God loves us. That we stop and see the way Jacob learned that God loves us. Eli Wiesel, the famous Nazi hunter, describes a story that happened during the Holocaust in a book called Night which was published in 1958, he wrote a story of a boy who was hanged for a simple minor offense in the camp. The whole camp, of course, was brought out to see this, so that it would be a lesson for them. And someone in the crowd was heard to whisper, Where is God? In this book, years later, Eli Wiesel responds. He said, God is hanging next to that boy. When we are in sorrows, when we are in pain, God is with us. And when we notice less, and when we think all is gone, we are in God's loving arms. I remember times when I have felt like God has forsaken me, that all is left, there is too much suffering. And I ask, why? The questions seem to resound with a silence from heaven. But we have to remember to let that silence open up and to realize that God is with us. That we are there and we are sleeping on the chest of our giant, on the chest of God. Where are you today? Are you wondering? Are you looking 
Have you found your place? Are you in despair? Are you in that place with no name? Are you looking for another stone to put under your head so you can rest from all the world's cares? Life is a wandering journey, and it is us who decide that route for our life. Jacob's story tells us to trust when it is impossible. It teaches us to ask God for vision because quite often we are blind to our sins and issues that make it impossible for us to see God. Where is God when we are in despair? God is there when we as a parent lose a child. God cries when a mother is crying over her children's suffering. God suffers when we are humiliated, abused, or neglected. God cries when we sin. And God is always next to us when we are in despair. I remember that one day Jesus was hanging on a cross in the ultimate despair because he was feeling that God had left him. Jesus Christ knows what despair means and does not judge us when we take stones for pillows. In your despair, just remember that you do not need to travel around the world. That in your despair, remember, you are resting on God's chest.